Apple is copying Amazon's flywheel principle by heavily featuring its products in Apple TV Plus shows, but in other areas of the connected TV market, it has lost heavily to Amazon despite having first mover advantage. Listen on to find out more. Welcome to this week's edition of Inside the Stream. This is Will Richmond from Video News, and that voice at the top was Colin Dixon from Endscreen Media. Hey, Colin, how's everything? Very good, Will, although I'm a little bit shell-shocked this morning. I cannot believe it. NAB has cancelled, and it's not, it's not, it's less than a month to go for the show. That Can you believe that, Will? I mean, I can believe it in the sense that we're still in prime Delta, unfortunately, and bringing 100,000 people or 80,000 people together in Vegas is not going to be that smart a thing to do. And people were probably telling NAB that they didn't want to, they did not want to come. But to your point, doing that so short, so soon before, you know, I'm, I mean, we're not at NAB, so we don't want to, we don't want to, you know, overstep, but guessing they wanted to wait right up until they absolutely had to, you know, the last possible minute. But, you know, to your point, two years in a row without NAB show and this year, not even to convert to virtual, which, you know, with planning ahead, seems like it could have been done as they did it last year. They did it last year virtually. I don't know, Colin. It's uh, not it's not good for the industry. That's for sure. Not good for NAB. That's for sure. Also. No, no. And I got to tell you, it's not a great surprise to me, Will. I I always go to NAB, as you know, but I hadn't booked anything this year. And yeah. I was asking all of the companies that I talked to and contacts that I have if they were going. And, uh, you know, if it wasn't a straight out, no, we're not, we're not doing it this year. It's, uh, well, we're doing a suite or, you know, we're, we're, we're on the fence. So, that it cancelled is probably not a huge surprise, but it's still pretty shocking. <laughs> yeah, it's also a harbinger, I think, Colin, for other in-person events this fall. It's uh, if you're not, if you're trying to do an in-person event, not in a warm weather location where you can stage it fully outside, and it's an event of any significant size. Um, I think it's going to be really tough. So I, I think we're going to see a lot more of these cancellations coming up, unfortunately. Yeah, I think you're right, and uh, I know I'm looking at IBC in December in Amsterdam. Yep. That yep. would have to be indoor, so I guess we'll have to see what happens. Yeah. But anyway, it, let's yeah. let's jump into our. Why don't we jump into our news stories today? So, um, yeah. what do you, what caught your eye? Yeah, so we have a couple of news stories here before we get to our main story this week. One of the things that caught my attention this week was that Disney announced that. The rest of its 2021 movies are going to be released exclusively in theaters before going to Disney+. And of course, um, Disney had been releasing its movies simultaneously in theater and on Disney+. And of course, Scarlett Johansson, for one, is extremely unhappy about that. (laughs) And she sued Disney for... $50 $50 million in what she believes is lost personal income. So 
Um, it's been controversial, not just at Disney, but elsewhere as well. You know, Warner Brothers has done this and others. So they apparently had, Disney had a huge Labor Day weekend with Shang-Chi, I think is the way you pronounce it. And I think that, you know, here we are talking about NAB show canceling on the other end of the spectrum, Disney and the big theater chains, AMC, notably because they reported their biggest Labor Day weekend. These folks obviously believe that one way or the other, people are going to be coming back into the theaters. So Disney made that decision. Apparently, they're going to do it with Encanto also, which is going to be released right before uh, Thanksgiving. That's music by Lin-Manuel Miranda. It's not going to be on Disney Plus until Christmas Eve and other movies as well. So, you know, it's interesting just the conflicting ways that key actors are acting in the marketplace. NAB show on one end, Disney on the other. And then, of course, everybody is individuals acting differently on every on any given day. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if Disney is going to be able to sustain this. We'll, we'll have to see what happens when the weather cools and people start spending a lot more time indoors. Uh, but uh, I tell you what, that must be a great relief for theater owners. Oh. They've oh. been struggling so much. And uh, just having Disney stand four square behind them is probably a great relief to them. Absolutely. Well, what was on your radar this week, Colin? Well, last week we talked about Amazon uh, releasing two ranges of TVs, a sort of low low entry-level range and a mid-level range TVs. Well, the protocol this week is saying that Comcast is gearing up to do the same. And interestingly, it apparently is going to release two smart TV models based on its X1 TV platform. And this is the platform that it uses to drive its X1 Xfinity TV service and its Xfinity Flex streaming box. So well-tried platform obviously works pretty well. Uh, and anyway, they're, they're producing these two X-Class TVs when, and apparently they're working with Hisense, which is also interesting because, of course, Hisense has been working with Roku on a lot of its televisions uh, as driving as driving them. So this makes, I think, you know, this makes a lot of sense for Comcast to do this. As, as we said last week, it makes a lot of sense for Amazon to do this. The it's very the the um, growth of smart TVs is really impressive. Our friend Bruce Leishman says that about sixty four percent of people now are using a smart TV versus fifty five percent are using a streaming media box or stick. So definitely swinging in smart TVs' favor. So probably good timing for Comcast to get into this. Although how they'll make traction against. Samsung, Vizio, LG, and all the rest. I don't know. And how about Roku and Amazon? Let's well, not let's go. not forget them. Let's uh, not forget those. So, given that, Colin, scale of one to ten, if you had a gauge likelihood of Comcast success in going into the smart TV business, where do you put them? A two. One. One is a flop. Ten is a raging success. You give them no I more think- than a two. Yeah, I don't think it's gonna. I don't think they're gonna do well. Well, um, and the reason is simple: they just don't have the market 
in which they can really promote them i think effectively they can they can probably throw them in in you know with some of their services like they have the flexbox but tvs are a little bit more expensive so i don't know i i i don't see them being very successful Fair enough. Not sure exactly what I think yet, and except the fact that, boy, that market seems to be getting more competitive by the day. Doesn't Last it? week, Amazon. This week, Comcast. Who's coming next week? Is Charter going to make its own TV also? <laughs> and, you know, Aunt Tilly, is she going to make her own TV? I don't know. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. Anyway, let's get into our main story this week, which you and I both wrote about and have been talking about for some time. Monday morning, I woke up to the short seven-minute video in the Wall Street Journal by their video journalist, Kenny Wasis, and he explained his analysis of, from upon watching all 74 episodes of five Apple TV Plus originals, Defending Jacob, The Morning Show, Mythic Quest, Ted Lasso, and Trying. He watched all 74 episodes, totaling over 2,600 minutes, and he logged every single Apple product placement and found 704 (laughs) Apple product placements across those 74 episodes. That's that's about nine and a half product placements per. All of that is skewed to certain shows. It seemed like Ted Lasso was by far the the most, uh, had the most product placements. But the larger point here is, and I'll talk about the data a little bit more in just a moment, but the larger point here is that, you know, I think there's always been kind of a big question in the minds of a lot of people in the industry, which is why exactly is Apple creating high quality TV shows? And it's really not sufficient to say, because they can, which of course they can. They are rolling in money. They could do anything they choose to do on any given day. But why is it that they chose to create these original TV shows? Why did they bring these very senior Hollywood executives in to do this? What exactly are, why exactly are they doing it? And I, and I thought that the data from the journal and the seven minute explainer was really the first time that I felt that question that had ever been answered in any semblance of a definitive way. And, and the motivation when you see all of these product placements is really to keep viewers loyal to Apple's ecosystem and thereby to sell more Apple products to them. Now, you know, some people are going to say, oh, Will, come on, that's blindingly obvious. We all should have known that that was it from the beginning. But I would say that if you hadn't really understood how deep and broad the product placements are in those Apple TV shows, it's not entirely apparent that what Apple was motivated by here was getting people more into their loyal into their ecosystem, selling them more products. I mean, there are certain shows on Apple TV Plus, as we were talking about before we got started, like Dickinson, for example, that has no Apple product TV placements, as best I know. I only watched a couple episodes. I think you said you watched the full season. Correct me if I'm wrong. Are there any, do you recall any Apple product placements in that show whatsoever? (laughs) No, no, because it's a period show. So they would look (laughs) very incongruous. (laughs) A a little incongruous, exactly. If Emily Dickinson was uh, holding an iPhone. So anyway, the point being that they do make shows where they don't necessarily have major product placements. But 
according to the WASIS analysis, these five shows have big time, and especially a couple of them have big time product placements. And I think that really kind of spoke to Apple's broader agenda here. And also interesting, I thought, as part of coming out of this, is that um, we've talked in the past about how Amazon's motivation for making originals, for being in the video business in the first place, is all about fueling Prime's business model. Jeff Bezos, his famous, um, you know, his famous quote from five years ago at the Recode interview that when people watch more video, they subscribe to Prime and Prime users buy more stuff. So video basically is a way for Amazon to sell more shoes is, you know, I think one of the most telling quotes that we've ever heard, most candid quotes we've ever heard from an executive. And it really shows how Amazon is upending the traditional media business model based on both advertising and subscriptions. And now we have Apple coming along doing the exact same thing, basically creating TV shows in service to its larger business agenda, which is to glue users into the ecosystem and sell them more Apple products. And my take from all that is that if I were an established or even a newer media company, I'd be looking at Apple and I'd be looking at Amazon and saying, boy, the rules of the game, the rules of this business are changing right under my feet. And how is it that I'm going to compete in the future? How am, how am I going to compete with these two technology behemoths? And we haven't even talked about Google yet and what they're doing with YouTube. But how am I going to compete with these two behemoths that are going to be bidding up the prices for actors, directors, scripts, everything related to talent, locations, the list goes on and on. How am I going to compete with those two companies when they're not even technically in the video business? They're actually in their own businesses of ecosystem loyalty, of selling products, of driving e-commerce, of driving prime subscriptions. And I'm not saying there's an easy answer here, but if I were elsewhere in the media ecosystem, I would be thinking long and hard about what all this means for my business based on advertising and subscriptions going forward. So anyway, I'm going to leave it at that, Colin. There's a lot more to the data itself. I encourage all of our listeners to actually watch this Wall Street Journal seven-minute video. I think it's really one of the most illuminating things that I've seen in a while, and and I, you know, personally, I love data that is right there on the ground. That's taken from actual experience. It's it's not based on user surveys or you know other tools like that, which I think in and of themselves have value. Uh, but there's nothing like to me actual research based on actual experience. Um, so I just say kudos to the Wall Street Journal team. I think they did a terrific job with this, and it was just very illuminating. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and there was one other point that he made in that piece, Will, which was that often, usually, the villains in those shows are portrayed <laughs> either using an Android phone or some uh, anonymous flip phone, or they hide them when they're using using a phone if it happens to be an, an Apple phone. And uh, it makes me, makes me laugh because... Uh, of course, uh, in in many shows, the English people are portrayed as being evil. So I'm an Android user and I'm English. So 
Does that make hey. me doubly evil? <laughs> hey, <laughs> what's that term? If the if it speaks for itself, uh, I can't remember the Latin term. It's not ipso facto, but it's something along those lines. Yeah. Race ip, yeah. race ipsum locator. I think that's the I think that's the Latin race I'll, ipsum locator. If the thing speaks for itself, Colin. Sorry, man. I'll I'll, I'll take your word for it. Uh, but this is very, I mean, it's, as you say, fascinating piece, Will. Um, and, of course, Apple is leveraging probably one of the oldest mechanisms that television has used to generate income, which is sponsorship, and turned it on its head and made it all about Apple. Somehow Apple always makes manages to make, make everything it does work for its ecosystem. And here they are again, finding a way to insert ads for Apple products in all of the shows that they possibly can. So, uh, well, you know, it's hard to criticize them. Why would they do anything else, right? I mean, (laughs) why would they promote uh, a Microsoft product or an Android product in in an Apple paid for show? So... I guess it makes a lot of sense to me. I don't know how impactful it will be given the um, the limited success that Apple TV Plus has had so far. But there may be signs that that's going to change as well, right? Because apparently they're committing $500 million in promoting Apple TV Plus uh, going forward. So... And, you know, and and apparently doubling their originals budget for 2022. So nobody really knows exactly what they're spending, but um, it could be two, three billion dollars on original yeah. content next year, plus the 500 million to market the Apple TV Plus service. So it's it's good to be the king. But you actually went a step further than the analysis that was done in the journal, which again I think is really must watch for any of our listeners. You wrote about this week how it is that Apple missed this gigantic opportunity in connected TV, while Amazon has basically grabbed the bull by its horns and run with it. So why don't you talk a little about your observations of what Apple really missed, even while they're out there spending two and a half, three billion dollars, whatever it is, promoting Apple TV Plus. What did they miss on the hardware side, Colin? Yeah, well, it's not just on the hardware side, Will. I kind of compared how Apple and Amazon have done in the connected TV market and the associated services will. And, uh, you know, it's really surprising to me that in a couple of cases, Apple has started out with a huge lead as being a first mover, but has managed to lose that lead in, in that market. So I'll give you a couple of examples. So in the streaming sticks and boxes market, which is um, which is you know pretty pretty important as I said at the top of the top of the uh, the show, fifty five percent of of homes are using a streaming stick or box. Um, Apple actually was the first company to really launch one. It launched the Apple TV box back in two thousand seven. It was charging three hundred dollars for it, which is <laughs> pretty expensive, uh, but it did launch. And it got a little bit cheaper, but as you know, it's back up towards more towards the $200 mark. Amazon relaunched its first Fire TV box in 2014 for $99. And I think that was the introductory price and it went up to $130. But they re- a few months later, they released the Fire TV stick, which was 39 bucks. 
And ever since, they've really pay, played in both ends of the market where they have high, medium, and low price devices that people, people can pick up, whichever suits their fancy. So what has that led to? Well, in the streaming sticks and box market, Amazon has 30%, Roku has 29%, and Apple has 21%. Um, of course, that doesn't account for all of the smart TVs that people are using, um, because if you just looked at TV OS and Apple TV OS, Apple TV share is really small of the TV OS market versus people like Roku, Samsung, and, and those guys. So they're really just a bit player. Um, now, the second second market that they had and lost, of course, was the market for digital movies because they launched iTunes in association with the iPhone very early on. And they were very early on in adding into that digital movie rentals and sales. And so Amazon, of course, came up quite a bit later and entered that market. And if you look at what, what has happened, Will, it's absolutely shocking. Looking once again at that TiVo data for the TiVo Q2 2021 Video Trends Report, uh, 65% of respondents in their survey said that they used Amazon Prime Video to buy or rent a movie. And only 20% said they used the iTunes Video Store. iTunes is now fourth behind YouTube movies and shows and Google Play, Play movies and TV. That's and, and they started off owning the market so this i think those are two excellent examples i'm going to pause here i've got a bunch more but i'm going to pause here and uh, yeah. get your comments yeah i mean first of all it is it is shocking unbelievable how apple has gotten roasted by amazon in this space and i think it also really speaks to though you know to your point the interplay between the device slash, you know, addressable universe of the device and the service that runs on top of it. I mean, think about all those people that fire up an Apple, a, sorry, no pun intended, fire up a Fire TV <laughs> sticker box or TV for that matter each night and go straight into buying or renting a movie or TV show. And Apple has been completely cut out of that equation as a result of not having the default, not being the default device of choice. So Amazon, you know, they, I think they recognized, I think the fundamental thing here is that Apple has a certain type of DNA, which prevented it from going down market to offer inexpensive sticks and boxes. It's a high margin, high prestige, high quality type of company, as we all know. And selling a $39 stick was just way outside of its DNA. Whereas for Amazon, they operate on basically zero margin or single digit margin in their core business. AWS is a different matter, but in their core commerce business, they, they've learned to live on scraps basically on small margins. So selling a $39 stick is, is all part of a day for them. It sure is. And I'm so glad you mentioned the experience because it's another area where Apple is missing out. Y yeah, they're doing a great job in product placement to sell Apple products. But listen, 
study after study after study shows that people want and are happy to watch free ad supported content. It's very important to them. They want that option. Apple has refused to play in that business, but Amazon is in with both feet. IMDb TV launched in, it actually launched as IMDb Freedive, I think, in early 2019, and then switched names to IMBD, IMDb TV. That is intimately uh, integrated into the Fire TV experience. You turn on, you don't have to subscribe to anything. You can watch a whole bunch of great shows in IMDb TV. They're even producing originals. They've done Leverage Redemption, uh, and they're doing, I think they're doing some more as well. So this is, again, this is another area where Apple is missing out. I think that Apple TV, the app itself, will benefit greatly for there being a, a rich supply of ad-supported free content. Um, it would get people in the interface, it would get people using the thing, it would get people subscribing to Apple TV Plus and to other services. This is the play that Amazon is making with Prime Video and it is working. <laughs> so. Well, I mean, here again, Colin, it's all about DNA. Apple is all in on taking the high road, if you will, of user privacy. And once you are unstinting on that topic, you cannot be in the advertising business. It's just not possible in this day and age with everything that's data-oriented, cookies, ID, et cetera, et cetera. You can't be in the ad business if you're taking an unstinting uh, uh, you know, attitude toward um, toward data and privacy. And I think Apple sort of crossed that Rubicon a while ago. They actually did play in advertising for a little while, and then they just decided they're not going to do it anymore. And that's led to this big dispute that they have going with Facebook and the little sort of kerfuffle between Tim Cook and Mark Zuckerberg. It's again, it's their core DNA. And as long as that happens, as long as that's there, they are not going to be in the ad supported space, no matter how big Amazon or Roku or YouTube or anyone ever gets, they, they will not play in that space. Yeah, boy, that sounds like another company we know, doesn't it? <laughs> that begins with an N and ends with an X. I don't know that who could you be thinking exactly. of. <laughs> Yeah. So, so anyway, that was my take. I, I came up with a couple of other things as well. If people want to want to check out the piece on my site, but uh, it really does seem like Amazon is doing everything right, and Apple is doing everything wrong in the TV market. So well, maybe they'll maybe they'll clean up their act with the additional investment in Apple TV Plus and do a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, it's a funny thing I found just at the point when you're ready to say this company is doing everything right and that other company is doing everything wrong. Inevitably, some game changing thing happens that comes seemingly out of left field. And all of a sudden, what that company, it seemed like they're doing everything right is doing all of a sudden doesn't seem so right. And what that company is doing that seemed all wrong all of a sudden seems not quite that way. So I'm I'm not ready to write off Apple in the video space by any stretch, but you know, based on current market conditions, they do seem to be playing with a with a hand behind their tied with with a what is it a hand tied behind their back arm tied yeah. behind their back. Yeah. 
yeah. and had been doing so for yep. a very long time. So, <laughs> yep, yep, interesting, interesting. And we also, of course, have not really in this conversation talked about the other big player, which we have certainly talked about in the past, which is Google and YouTube, which is right. very, very much focused on the ad side, but is also playing on the subscription side. So they're kind of doing it all in a way. And of course, you know, playing in devices, although at a much smaller level, whether it's Chromecast or Android or, or what have you. They are. They are indeed. And I just got a new TV driven by Google TV, Will, and I got to tell you, <laughs> it's a pretty good interface. I knew there was someone out there who got a TV driven by Google. I wasn't sure it was you, though. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I us, think we're just, about, we're just about out of time for this one. Yeah, the rest of us are just buying Rokus and Amazons, Colin. Well, I've got Amazon devices, Samsung TVs, Vizio TVs. Uh, now I got a Sony TV, so I need to need to get an an LG TV somewhere here. You have so many TVs. I don't know how you get your work done there. <laughs> Believe it or not, I don't watch them that much, but uh, they're in all the right places. Let's, let's, yeah, let yeah, me just yeah. say that. Sure, sure, sure. Okay, fair enough. All right, Colin, good chatting as always. And thanks everyone for listening in on this week's edition of Inside the Stream. And we'll see you all again next week. Inside the Stream is a production of Endscreen Media and Video News, all rights reserved.